This is the Sanctuary LA podcast. We are a real church for real people in the heart of downtown Los Angeles. But I wanted to start out with, and we always want to start out this way, so everyone kind of has an understanding of why we do panels. Like, why do we do this, and what do we hope to accomplish from this? And the reason we do this is um, because we want, we want people to be able to hear the stories of others and know that God is no respecter of persons. So when you hear a person's testimony up here, when you hear about what God's doing in someone's life and you see what he's done in their lives, we want you to grab a hold of that and know that what God did for them he can do for you. Because a lot of times we'll come on a Sunday, we don't get to hear people's stories. We don't get to hear people's experiences. We don't know how they ended up where they are. And a lot of times these panels, you get to go a little deeper. You get to hear a person's story. And that story doesn't bring glory to us. If anything, the goal is that it brings glory to God. So you can see that the power of God can be manifest in their lives. The power of God can be manifest in your life. And you can see how God um, will transform your life just the way he did theirs. And that's the whole purpose of these panels. That's why we do this. That's why we have people up here talking and sharing their stories. And we do it specifically at different seasons because different seasons require us to go a little deeper and to have those conversations that we don't always get to have in passing on a Sunday morning. Amen? Um, excuse me. I did like the one thing you're not supposed to do. <laughs> When you go on a panel, I put a mint in my mouth like five minutes before I got up here thinking, oh, I'll be able to finish it before I get up here. Excuse me for one sec. Let me grab a tissue. Real church for real people here. Thank you. Have All right. Here we go. Oh, thank you, Pessy. You're so sweet. This is Pessy, everybody. Deacon Pessy. She tried to do that on the sly and tried to come up. And, but Pessy is such a blessing. If you haven't met her, um, introduce yourself because she and her husband, we love them so much. They're a part of this house. They're the heart of this house. And if you want to know what we're about, that couple will be all that we're about and, and everything they do in your interaction with them. So I'm just going to open in prayer. And then I'm going to bring out our... Um, I'm going to bring out our panelists this morning. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, for uh, what you're going to do um, in the service today. I just pray, Lord, that this won't be a time of wasted words or just wasted knowledge. I pray, Lord, that all of us in this session, in this time, Lord, will receive what it is you want us to receive. I pray, Lord, that we would be open to the leading of the Spirit of God, that we would be open to hearing what it is you want to speak to our hearts. And I pray, Father, that that breakthrough comes in this time. I pray, Lord, that you show up and do what only you can do in this time that we have. And I pray, Lord, that we honor you in how we communicate. We honor you in how we love each other. We honor you in how we walk out of here and carry these words with us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to bring out our first panelist, um, and I'm going to say your whole name. Anna Gabriela Gamboa. <laughs> also, <laughs> also known as Gabby. Um, Gabby, she serves, obviously, on our worship team. You saw her up here welcoming our guests. She also serves in our children's ministry. So she is very deeply involved. Um, <laughs> love every minute of it. Yes, and we love having her. She's been a blessing to us as well. She also leads one of our connect groups. So, um, Which was not planned. I did not plan on doing that. <laughs> She, she didn't plan on doing that, but you know what? We talked with our team this morning. We talked about equipping leaders in our, um, in our uh, huddle, our team huddle, volunteer huddle. And one of our goals, my husband and I, is to always um, pull the best and to pull the gift out of people. So if we see something in you um, and you're sitting there thinking, I'm good, well, just, just get ready. Because if we see something in you, we want to pull that thing out of you. That's what leaders do. We want to pull God's best out of you, and we want to position you so you can do God's best. Amen? 
Our next panelist is Michelle Ramsundo. Come on out. <laughs> so Michelle, obviously, she was on our worship team as well. If you didn't see her bouncing around in here, you were not in the same worship service this morning, but um, she and her husband recently started coming to the church as well. Her husband's sitting on the front row over there. Say hello. Say hello. Um, and they've been a blessing to the body already. So if you don't know them either, please introduce yourselves. You see them after. They're going to be available at the end as well to talk, to minister, to pray um, if that's needed. So I'm just going to jump right in here. Um, we received questions. So questions were submitted. Uh, we put the survey out there and we got a pretty great response. So our goal today is to answer as many questions as possible that were submitted. A lot of times we mix in our own questions with some of the submitted questions, but we're gonna exclusively try and focus on answering all of the questions that came in. But first, before we jump into that, I always wanna start with my own question. Um, this one's not on the list. Um, and I just told the ladies, be ready, cause I, you, I'm just gonna ask you anything. So Michelle, no, we'll start with Gabby. We'll start with Gabby. Gabby. What is the hardest relational challenge you've experienced since committing your life to Jesus? Or one of the hardest relational challenges you face since, since giving your heart to Jesus? Well, I guess it starts with um, who I was dating four, almost five years ago. Um, and that relation, I, I felt Lord calling me to walk with him and to be with him, that he missed me and I missed him. <laughs> And um, so dealing with that for about six months of, of knowing that I needed to leave this relationship that was not with God. And so I basically um, told the person I was dating, like, I want to walk this way and I want you to walk with me. And he's like, no, 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 it's fine. You can walk this way and I'll, you know, I'll let you do your thing. And uh, but I'll be here. And I'm like, I, I, I can't do that. And so um, after ending that relationship of four years, um, it's, it's your, I don't know if anybody can relate, you're in that funky spot where you're like, you miss each other and you still talk, but you're not gonna, you know, like, it's just that weird gray area, you know? And um, I think to me that was very easy in the beginning when you dive deep and you fall in love with Jesus and you're on that honeymoon stage as they call it. Um, and then after that, you know, um, when you get settled in, um, you know, I think that like, that was probably the hardest thing is, is seeing somebody that I love so much and, and, and had so much time with um, and having to let that person go and trusting the Lord that, that hopefully he'll touch his heart one day. Um, but that was really hard. Somebody that you truly love, seeing that they just don't see, that they don't even acknowledge Jesus. They don't even know that he exists. Um, so yeah, that was it. Thanks for sharing. Michelle. Um, Tell us about uh, where you work, what your gift is, like what, what you love to do and the environment that you work in sometimes. And, and tell us what are some of the um, greatest challenges being a believer and working in the environment that you work in. So first, tell us what you do and then talk about some of the challenges. Uh, I'm an actor and so that already is <laughs> very challenging. Um, I don't come across a lot of people who believe in Jesus, unfortunately. Um, currently, I work at a talent management company, and also there, it's, it, it's surprisingly, it's almost worse. Um, I come across a lot of people who don't believe in Jesus, and there's a lot of inflammatory talk about Christianity and religion in general, so that's a little rough in the workplace. Um, some of the challenges I, because I I'll talk about a challenge and, um, and just, I guess, how I kind of got through that. Yeah. Um, so I was at a conference, an actor's conference, and we were there all just doing our monologues and presenting and doing the whole thing. And I, there was a, a girl who sort of <laughs> kind of, um, I just, I don't know if you get like a weird feeling. I just kind of had like a weird, like, oh, I'm, you know, something's going on with this girl. And I, I assume always that it's a bad thing. I'm like, mm-hmm, I don't know about that. Like, you know, I, I was a little like, I gotta watch myself with her for some reason. But um, turns out it was not bad. I, it was actually a good thing. I went, uh, I introduced myself to her, met her. She was really kind. 
Um, her husband had come with her to the conference, so I met him, and, and then um, I was there um, alone because my husband was at work, and so I said, they were like, hey, you want to come to dinner with us? And I was like, sure thing, and then turns out he's a Christian, and she was sort of the one who was having trouble <laughs> reconciling that lifestyle in their marriage and being Christian. And so I was like, oh, this is why <laughs> I felt like I needed to talk to you or something. So we go to dinner, and we're just like eating wings and just whatever, and I'm telling you guys, <laughs> I felt the presence of God come upon me in a way that I've never felt. And I started like um, hearing all these things and I stopped the conversation. I said, hey, so, and I, this has never happened to me before. I said, hey, so I feel like um, there is a door of witchcraft open in your family history. And I said, and I feel like there's, it's wide open and I feel like, um, you know, you're becoming Christian and God wants to take you to a new level and, and what you have to do is uh, close this door because it's a, it's a door and it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's unhealthy, it's an unhealthy door. And her husband is, he's like very, very Christian. He, in the restaurant, just starts to like raise his hands and praises God and she starts bawling, crying and I was like, what was that? I had never experienced that in my life. But that was the first time I experienced um, what I thought was like, I don't say a weakness, but kind of like a, being a Christian and believing in Jesus and that he speaks to us on a daily basis in the workplace with other actors when they don't believe, I always feel like, oh, God wants me to say something, like, I'm not gonna say, that's gonna, they're gonna think I'm weird or I don't want, so that's always been a challenge, but that was the first time I kind of overcame that and was like, I feel like this is too important and I have to say this right now or I just feel like it's gonna be bad, it's just not gonna be great. Turns out I was, God was right. See, I was right. God was right. <laughs> the, there were two other girls in the program who approached her, and the day after I felt like I needed to tell her, two girls, she came and told me later, we prayed in her hotel room and everything, but two girls came up to her in the same program, and mind you, there's only 30 of us, come mm -hmm. up to her in the program, and they say, hey, um, we feel like we want to talk to you. We know that you're, you have a history of witchcraft in your life, and there's a door, and what we need you to do is walk through it, because there's a power there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a witchcraft power that we believe you're meant wow. to take hold of. And she came, made a beeline for me, yanked me out of one of our <laughs> meeting halls and was like, you're never gonna believe, and she's, um, she is from El Salvador, so it was half in English and half in Spanish, and I was like, you, I mean, you gotta slow down, girl, don't speak Spanish, I was like, what? She was freaking out, and we just prayed and prayed and prayed, and, um, but, it was some, I was like, wow, God, what if I had just been like, that's weird. I'm not going to say that at dinner and at this acting conference. This is not even church. Like, this is weird. I'm so glad for the first time I felt in, like, to overcome that challenge. That's a big one. It's every day, too. Yeah. So. And we're talking about relate. So in this series, we're going to be talking about how you relate to people in, in your workplace, how you relate to family, how you relate in, um, as a single person um, looking for love. Um, and even in a marriage situation, uh, how do I um, relate to my husband um, from a, obviously from a women's perspective um, to create healthy relationships? Because we know that God is a relational God. We know that um, he created us to love people. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength and it's to love your neighbor as yourself. So in this series, our prayer is that um, you grab a hold of some of these truths and you can actually apply them to your lives as well as we walk through some of these things. So it's, it might bounce around a little bit, but we're gonna try and touch on all of those relational contexts um, so you can grab a hold of something um, before you leave here today. So I'm gonna jump right into some of the questions that were submitted. Um, some of them are general, and then some are specific to the women's panel. So some were submitted by men, and some were submitted by women. So it's cool to see um, the mix of questions that's on here. So I'm just going to jump right in. Um, and I'm going to ask, Michelle, I'm going to ask you this one. Um, how do I put Jesus at the center of my marriage? Um, yeah, that... <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, I would first say it's definitely different for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, my husband and I have tried several different things. I mean, I think also, um, I don't know what it's like if you don't start with Jesus. I think that that is different. Yeah. Um, my husband and I, thank God, we started with Jesus. So um, for us, it's we pray together and 
we, we include him in all of our decision making in the house it, for each other um, always, no matter if there's a big decision or if there's um, uh, something that we're unsure of, we don't turn to each other and say, well, what do you think? It's, well, let's pray together and let's ask God. And then after you know an acceptable amount of time, obviously it goes by, we kind of then make the choice based on what we feel like the Lord has been imparting to us. Yeah, and um, and I'll add to that too. I know in, in my marriage, I think what's important um, is your personal relationship with the Lord. When you're keeping Jesus first in your walk, like when you're walking with him, um, ultimately, if, you're, if your husband is a believer as well and he's doing the same thing, you're both heading in the same direction. I remember we did premarital counseling, um, and so funny because my aunt and uncle did it, and he was like... <laughs> He's, we're doing premarital counsel, counseling with my aunt and uncle, and he's sitting there like, they're asking him, have you been delivered of this, 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 and this? And I'm like, my poor husband, he's just, my poor fiance, he's just trying to marry me, and my family's obviously, they tried to be as impartial as possible, but you know how that goes. They're just really protective. But um, one of the diagrams they gave us, it was actually a triangle. So just picture this. This is my husband. This is me. This is God. And in our pursuit of the Lord, we're heading, we're both looking this way, but we're both heading in the same direction. And ultimately, in your own personal pursuits, that should draw you closer to the Lord, but also draw you closer to other, of each other as you're, as you're growing in your relationship with the Lord. So I think it's so important to remember that your personal pursuit of Jesus is what filters into every other relationship in your life. And that's important in marriage as well. And I know, Gabby, um, you have an interesting perspective on this because you've, you've, you're not quite married yet, um, but you've had a chance to observe and to see even in an environment where one is a believer and one isn't. How, does, how do you navigate through that? And, and I would really like you to speak from your observations because you're not in it. So obviously you can observe and kind of share what you've learned from observing that situation as well. What I've learned from observing, uh, observing um, somebody who's in like, a wife who is a believer and a husband who's not a believer is um, they always, they, they put Christ first and she continued to serve her husband you know, up and um, she continued to serve her husband and be a good wife and and be a great mother. Um, she prayed a lot and she fasted a lot. And so I think just um, letting I, th I think in what I've learned is women tend to make men their rock, their foundation. They make them um, their identity. And I think that that's probably the beginning of the problem where women are uh, not all women, but there's some women who who are seeking a relationship or who want to get married or it's like, ah, oh, my clock is ticking, you know, and um, they tend to rush the process and they don't really equip themselves. They don't um, strengthen themselves in the Lord. Um, and, you know, the, there's no wisdom there. There's no discernment there. So I think it starts with that. But if you're already in that type of relationship, I think just um, from what I've seen is just really like seek, put God first and, um, and to pray and to ask for revelation and, and, and wisdom, but that, yeah. that's, I think that's what it is. It's making Christ the center and your rock and your foundation and your number one, and then that way you can serve your husband or you have the strength to get through any situation. Um, okay. So, yeah, you can clap. You can clap if you want to clap. All right, sorry. I won't stop the clapping. Um, how do you go about dating as a Christian, as a single Christian woman? Well, How do you go about that? <laughs> I don't, actually. Um, oh, what I have man. done, just because in my family, there's a lot of um, divorce and separation. And so I, what I, like, I, I love to read, I love to study. So what I do um, is I just read books on Christian dating. I read books. I listen to sermons, podcasts. I surround myself with married women. Um, and things like that to prepare myself. And, you know, it's the, it's the generic theme of just focus on the Lord and he'll come when the time is right. You know, like, and so, 
And that's that's exactly what I'm doing. That's exactly what I'm doing. And I have, you know, like I have been asked out and, and things like that. And um, you know, it's you have to look at the fruits of, of the spirit and you have to um, see if you're equally yoked. So, you know, um, I'm open to dating, but I th- that those are the first two things that I <laughs> I know. She's open, open gentlemen. Gentlemen. But it's kind of like I have I I've from what I've read and what I've studied and everything like that, I'm like, okay, fruits of the spirit, are we equally yoked? Are you serving? Do you pray? Do you tithe? You know, um, do you have a good relationship with your family, with your friends? What do you do for fun on the weekends? Mm-hmm. You know, so I definitely do date, but I don't go about looking for it. I'm too busy right now. <laughs> I'm too busy to date right now, but um, that's all, right. all right, all right. So also, I have really great books for any single people. Um, you can come see me afterwards. <laughs> I have great notes, and Talk I would Gabby. love to have a book club about it because, yeah, I'm really passionate about that. <laughs> Talk to Gabby. She's single, wants to mingle. So, listen, Christian, Christian couples here, if you know of Christian young men, listen. There are some good women in the house of God who have a desire to want to get married. And if you don't, that's okay too. But for those who want to, you know some good men who love Jesus, love the Lord, love to serve in his house. Just let them know. Like, I know some great women. Listen, let me tell you something. I, every time I go out, I am on the lookout. Like, I'll go out with my husband and be like, hey, hun. He's nice looking. He's not wearing a wedding ring. Should I go up to him and ask him if he loves Jesus? And if he's looking to date? And he will have to reel me in. Because listen, ladies, I am looking out for you. Because I know that I had a friend looking out for me. That's how I met my husband. I would not have met him if she didn't say, I have someone I want you to meet and force me to meet him. Seriously, so I want you to know, I think, I think that's, part of the, that's part of a body, a part of a family. Yeah. And as Christian women who are married, I think that we should be on lookout for our, our Christian sisters, single sisters who, who have a desire to get married. Be on the lookout. Find the good men because they're, obvious, well, they're obviously around. We just have to be like, you want to get married? Let's walk you through some stuff here. We're going to help you out in Jesus' name. All right. Okay. Okay. So specific to women um, on the women's panel here, um, this was a good question, and I think it's a very relevant question uh, for women nowadays and all the time, it seems like. What place do women have in ministry um, in a leadership role? Feminism is feminism in the Bible, or is it ungodly? And the scripture they referenced in here was 1 Timothy 2, 9 through 15, where it, sh- where it talks about women being silent and women um, um, not, not uh, being submissive, women being submissive. And one thing I would like to address before we throw the question out there is, um, uh, and we're not going to go deep into the, the theological um, things surrounding that scripture, what I will say about it is, it definitely needs to be taken in context um, because of what was going on in that time. He addressed some specific issues of the time, and one of the things that there was some things that were out of order, and he was trying to bring some order to some disorder. And um, one of the things in terms of women being silent is, and my husband knows I'm not a silent person, um, I don't think there's anything you could do to keep me quiet about anything. But anyway, um, uh, in, with respect to that, it's women. And this is a direct challenge to women. It's important that when we do open our mouths, that we're seasoned in what we say, that we don't get to open our mouths and say whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want to say it. And that's not just for women, but because we're on the women's panel here, I'm talking to women. And I feel like a lot of times um, this scripture comes up, maybe because um, sometimes women in our gentle, loving hearts and spirits, um, we're led emotionally a lot of times rather than 
by the Spirit sometimes in what comes out of our mouths. And I think what the Lord really wants to admonish us to do in every situation, and this is for every believer, but for women specifically today, it's be wise in how you use your words. Be wise in um, what comes out when you open your mouth. You don't have permission to just speak out of emotion. No believer does. You speak with the love of God. Out of what comes out of your mouth um, always needs to honor the Lord, and it always needs to be in order with what he wants in your life. Do you know what I mean? So even in my marriage, there are times where, um, like, we're not perfect, so there are things that will come out of his mouth that I'm like, let's rewind. And so, like, just the other day, we went to a day conference, and it was Valentine's Day. And uh, we went to this conference, and I don't know what happened that morning, but we, we were not feeling very Valentine's-y. We get to the conference, and he's like, how about we start this day over? I was like, you want to start this day over because you know all the stuff that came out of your mouth that shouldn't have come out of your mouth this morning. But I admonish the women. You know, you know what I'm talking about. I don't have to go any deeper on this in terms of women and emotions and what comes out of your mouth as, a, as it relates to emotions and not being led by the Spirit of God. I don't need to go deeper. I'm looking at all you women out here, and I, I see the solidarity in the room. You know you're Spirit-led women of God. So let the Spirit of God come out of your mouth. And what's cool about this, and I always refer to this verse because it's my favorite verse, I think, in the Bible where it talks about um, women. And when it talks about, um, we're in a world now where there's this challenge about feminism, equality, and, and a women's position and, and all of that. And I think it's a great conversation to have because it seems like we've been talking about this for many, 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 many years. But the church should be an example of how men and women can work together how men and women were meant to work together. Why? Because we're both created in God's image. And this is my, one of my favorite verses where it talks about this. It's in Genesis, um, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And women, you are the very essence of God. Men, you are the very essence of God. And when we learn to to work together, there's nothing stopping that. We're like a piece, I'm a piece of God, you're a piece of God, and when we come together, it's like a whole piece because you have elements of God in you, you have elements of God in you. No one is less than because we're created in his image. So I can't look at a man and say, well, I'm supposed to be a premier in this world. I give birth to children, so I am a life giver, but we can't give birth to children without men. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're here like work, we need to work in conjunction with each other, men and women. We're not fighting for power here. We're not fighting for, for um, supreme authority here. When authority is in place, like in my house, yes, ultimately when we stand before the Lord, my husband is gonna be held accountable for what took place in our home, why? because of the, the way God situated it, the way he created us, is that he's given him authority in certain areas in our lives. I'm responsible for the way I walk things out. I am responsible to be the love of God, to be who God created me to be, but so is he. And when he understands that, and when I understand that, and we come together in that, there's no stopping a unit that's working together. And I think it's important that we remember, men, remember, God, women were created in God's image just like you were. Yeah, he created Adam first, but a woman came right after because Adam knew, I need a woman in my life. I am not complete without her. And it was just another piece of God that he created. So I want to remind you, women, that whenever that comes up, it always brings me back to that. We're, we're created equal. No one is better than anyone. And it doesn't just begin with male and female. This, is, this goes all through the Bible where it talks about God shows no partiality. 
That doesn't just talk about um, people getting saved. That's just people, period. There is no partiality. So why in creation would God create, be partial with man and be partial with creating him like this and creating him better? Because no, that is not the God we serve. And that theme resonates throughout the Bible. You think of the women. You, you see me getting stirred up on this. I'm coming back, ladies. Because you see the women in the Bible. Think of all the lessons we can learn from these women in the Bible. Hannah, she teaches us how to pray. Esther was a leader of her time who led her people to freedom. Ruth, single woman, was like, there is my Boaz, submitted to her mother-in-law who gave her wisdom, mothers in the church. There is a picture of what a mother and daughter relationship should look like, leading her to meet her husband. Like, you know what I mean? That is what our role is, to cover, to carry. There are examples of women all through the Bible. The Bible talks about how women supported Jesus's ministry. These were women with money who were like, I'm going to pour this into Jesus so his ministry can continue. It was women who declared that Jesus is alive. They were the first evangelists. Women, Mary Magdalene, she shows us how to worship Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood shows us how to press through the issues to get your miracle. She said, I am not standing here. I see the man of God, I'm going for him. Think of all the examples in the Bible of women and how they have been, how they have been world changers, life changers, experienced the power of Jesus, and their testimonies are in here. So women, don't be diminished by what anybody says to you. This isn't a cultural thing. This isn't, has nothing to do with culture. This has to do with the word of God and what it says. Culture says one thing, but the word of God trumps even culture. So I want to challenge you today. I know how in, there are cultural norms sometimes. Trust me, I know. But I want to remind you that we're not subject to culture. We're not subject to what the world says. We're subject to what the word of God says. And if culture doesn't line up with this, then culture needs to take a back seat. So just remember that, ladies. Amen? Sorry. You know what? I was going to let you answer that, but I'm going to change the question. So what advice would you give your younger self as you're stepping into leadership? What would you tell yourself that you've learned now where you are now? What would you tell your younger self? What wisdom would you give your younger self for either one of you? That's so funny. Maybe I should have picked somebody. <laughs> What would I tell my younger self yeah. before stepping into leadership? Uh, yeah, leadership and, and even just life. Like, it doesn't have to be, this one was a specific about leadership, but it doesn't have to be just leadership. When you look back at your younger self, there are a lot of things I could tell myself when I was younger, like, you need to chill out a little bit. But what would you tell your younger self? Um, definitely, I would, the first thing I would tell my younger self, especially stepping into leadership, is uh, your voice matters. Mm -hmm. Your voice matters, Michelle. Do not let um, other people tell you because of what you look like or where you come from or who you don't know that your voice does not matter. You should be quiet and you should be silent. Um, that will be the first thing. Uh, after that, I would also tell myself to calm down. <laughs> I, I, I was. Relax. I was rowdy. I was rowdy. And um, I was rowdy, gung-ho about everything. And um, I would tell myself to relax, calm down. It is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. You have a long way to go, Michelle. And you, and it's, the last thing I would tell myself is it's okay to invest in people. It's okay. Um, I had a problem not wanting to do that. <laughs> if, if I felt like um, I couldn't, if I felt like I couldn't invest in you or if I felt like the friendship was like even, you know, not worth it or whatever, I would just ghost and be like, bye. 
And so I would tell myself, it's okay to slow down and invest in people, build friendships, stick around, get in the mud with people. It's okay to do that because Jesus is in there with you, Michelle. Mm -hmm. It's okay to invest in people and invest in yourself by investing in other people. That's what I would say. So that leads then into this next question, um, which kind of ties into some of what you were saying, and I'll open this up to Gabby. How do you gracefully walk away from negative friends you've outgrown? Um, I was actually talking about this with my sister the other day, and it's my opinion that you don't. You don't walk away. I think you create those healthy boundaries with people, but you don't walk away from the people that need Jesus. You just don't. I have a friend in, in my life who I've known since... I was a kid and we grew up in the church together. And there's some things that should be like, oh, hey, you want to go do this? And, you know, I, I, you, you, know you, you feel like, okay, is there something I can do? Should I be in this environment? Should I put myself here? Um, and um, I, you know, we, we still see each other and we go and we have dinner or, you know, we hang out and things like that. But I don't think that there's anybody in my life that I'm like, I'm shutting you out because I'm walking this way and you're walking that way. I mean, even with what happened with my previous relationship, you know, I still pray for that person. I still, you know, like send words of encouragement every time, you know, we do end up connecting again. But um, I don't walk away from anybody that needs the Lord. I don't walk away from somebody that doesn't believe what I believe. Um, I, I pray for them. I think about them. I check in on them. How are you doing? Because I'm setting an example. I'm I, you know, like they're not going to see the Bible. They're not going to see Jesus if they're not seeking them out. So I need to be that constant reminder, like, hey, Jesus loves you. Like, hey, you know, you're, you're, um, you're beautifully and wonderfully made too. Like, you know, and, and like, look what God's doing in my life. Or, you know, I'm going through this difficult time too, but this is how, this is a healthy way that I got through it. I don't have to, you know, go to drugs or alcohol and things like that. So um, for me personally, I feel that you create those healthy boundaries and um, you, don't walk, you don't walk away from, from somebody that doesn't see eye to eye with you. you I think it's, that's a challenge. I think we run away from challenges a lot where it's, like, it's so much easier to be like, shut down, like, oh, you know, like it's so much easier to unfriend somebody or to block them, uh, delete their number. But it's yeah. like, okay, that's not normal. That's not, we need to, no, <laughs> um, it's you know, true. We need to build relationships. Yeah. What happened it's back true. in the day when there was no unfriend, when there was no block, you know, like, yeah, yeah you stop, you stop sending each other, you know, Christmas cards or whatever, but, <laughs> but, but that's what I'm saying is, like, we need to challenge ourselves to work at those relationships that are difficult. You don't shut people out just because it gets hard. You mm. know, you seek wisdom, and, you know, and, and you, you pour what you can. Don't overextend yourself, you know, but whatever you can give, a prayer or a hello, how are you, or a happy birthday, or, you know, things like that. Yeah. So then how do you then relate to difficult people? And how do you set appropriate boundaries? Because a lot of times um, you need boundaries um, to be able to deal with difficult people because you don't want to take the difficult in and you just keep exactly. taking it in, taking it in, and you don't have appropriate boundaries set up just for healthy purposes. Right. And that can go to both of you. You can continue or you can jump in there as well. Um, I've, I've had to deal with that at, at work, actually. Um, I had, uh, there was a couple of people that came and went and, um, it was really hard to relate to this one person. She was very mean, very petty, and I had to put boundaries, but I still had to work with this person. I still had to share an office with this person. Mm. And um, so she tried really hard <laughs> to get me to break down. She's like, oh, you know, she knew that I was a Christian, so she really challenged. <laughs> yeah. She made it her mission to challenge how Christian I was. And um, so I just created the boundaries of like, you know, still be re being respectful. Um, but um, not, um, not overextending myself. And when it comes to friends that um, it, it is an unhealthy relationship, I do love them from a distance, you know? I, I do set those boundaries. Um. What are some, like practically, what does that look like? Like setting boundaries, like what does that actually mean? What do you do to okay. set boundaries? So um, for example, um, when I get invited to certain events, um, I look at the environment and I'm like, okay, is this something that's going to be a healthy environment for me? Or um, that like, also when they start talking about certain topics that I know that are, uh, they're definitely somebody that I would not go and look for advice from, you know, or <laughs> open up to something very deep and personal with. Um, so that those kind of boundaries were like, I'm like, okay, this is, I can't talk to them about these certain things because they're not gonna pour life into it, you know, or, um, so just being wise in the conversations of just keeping things light. Um, that's how I, yeah, that's how I do it. I still 
have yeah. conversations but not give them full access to, yeah. to all of me you know or to, to my thoughts to my heart and things like that and just setting those boundaries of like you and I can only go our friendship yeah I've known you for a long time but our friendship only goes up to here for now until it gets to a, a healthy place again do you want do you have anything you want to add to that yeah, I think that's great um, I'm the same way um, in that I have had experiences with like uh, friends who have um, just been either disrespectful or for whatever reason went through something and then started to treat me poorly and I had to then kind of I had to go through for myself and go the process of like okay well I guess I need boundaries now because I don't want to continue being hurt by my friend I don't want to run away from them either so what do I do so I kind of went through the process of going okay so maybe um, this person just needs basically less access to me um, we talked all the time like you know every day the text or whatever and so I got to a place where I'd say hey so like maybe I don't talk to you from you know uh, these hours or whatever you know I just know that's practical that is practical like, yeah you know it was the mistreatment of me and I'd read a text and be at work and then it because it was a longtime friend it would send my mood to kind of like yeah. You know, and I'd be at work trying to be productive mm -hmm. and an appropriate employee, and I'd be <laughs> upset and annoyed and whatever. So um, something that was very practical for me. And then it was, it escalated to the points where w we needed to have a conversation. And I said, hey, so like I feel like I'm being, um, so what I do, <laughs> I feel people are more receptive to um, something that's not super great if you uh, put it in a sandwich of two really great things. So I make a sandwich. I'm like, hey, I think you're awesome. I really feel like you're going through something and I feel like it's coming off on me in a disrespectful way, but also you're amazing. And I love you and your mother and your family. And I think God has a purpose and a plan to bring it to your life this year. I mean, it's just like I put it in a sandwich. Oh, and man. the people are always way more receptive and they go, oh, Michelle, you're, okay, well, well, if I feel like I'm being, if you feel like you're being disrespectful, I really appreciate you telling me. However, if I had just come off in my actual, like, <laughs> hey, I feel like you being disrespectful, like, wait a minute, like, you know, then it becomes a different conversation, and it's not, Jesus is not involved anymore, it's not great. So when I do that, I feel like it's for them, but I feel like it's also more for me um, to put it in the, in the healthy sandwich and then give it to the person. So... No, that was good. That was good. How do we love someone without agreeing to their sin? I think Jesus um, is a really great example of that. Um, I always go back to the Bible and to the word. It's like, what literally, what did Jesus do? You know? And so I always see like how he, how he loved on people. He, lo like, he loved them where they were at. And then he had this way of correcting people as well. Um, so I always look to, to Christ when it comes to certain things like that, you know, um, and I, I see them as a person. I see them like you were created, you know, Je like the Lord thought of you when you were created, you have a purpose, you know? So I think that when I, when I come to that and I realize the Lord created them too for something great, I try to speak life and just love and be, and you know, like words of encouragement because I think that's something that they're lacking where they're turning to sin because they're, they're, they feel so empty. They don't feel that love. There's something that within them that, that is, uh, well, I can't think of any other word except for empty. And so um, what I do is like, yeah, they're in sin, but I just speak words of encouragement and love and um, just love on them that way. And I don't ever say like, well, your sin is this or you're doing that because we're all sinners. <laughs> we just, you know, you can't judge somebody just because their sin looks different than yours. You know, like I always stick to that too. So um, I don't like brush off the sin, but you need to connect with a person before you correct them. And a way of connecting with a person is loving on them and being a genuine friend. Mm. Um, and so once you build that friendship and that trust, I think those walls start to come down for people and they're like, okay, this person, you know, they truly care. They truly care about my feelings. They check in on me and, and things like that. So once your relationship, your friendship gets to that level, then you can um, start talking take, like start talking about the sin and going into deeper conversations. But that's basically, you know, you love the person for who they are right where they are. And, um, you know, if it's a relationship worth investing in, and you know, then 
you just pour into them words of encouragement. You start light, of course. You don't start rebuking demons or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Then you build up to that. And um, so you love the person where they're at, not their sin. And then eventually when you connect, you can start. I like that. You have to connect before you can correct. I thought that was, that was good. Um, Michelle, is it possible to be friends with the opposite sex if I'm married? Absolutely not. <laughs> that Next little chuckle question. was from her husband, if you guys didn't know. No, it is an impossibility. <laughs> and what does that look like? Because maybe that's a legit, like, thing where you wonder what, what are the boundaries there when you have friends that are the opposite sex and you're married. Yeah, so um, I can see what my boundaries look like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah been married going on 10 years. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. 10 years this year. Um, um, it's crazy, but uh, a long time ago, a long time ago, I put boundaries in place. Um, as an actor, we do a lot he's of... Like, <laughs> he's like, yes, he's nodding over there. Um, as an actor, you do a lot of rehearsals with the opposite sex. So... Um, whenever I rehearse, I will always have, I don't care if it's a two-person scene and it's me and him, I will always have another person in the room, always. Always, and it's always a female. Um, most of the um, assistant directors or the um, you know, person who's helping an assistant will be a female. I'm like, hey, will you just come in and chill with us while we rehearse? And they're like, oh, okay. They're usually an actor, an aspiring actor anyway, so they come on in. Um, that's what I do, I never, um, I'm never spending time alone. Even when I email a man, and I, you know, even if he's married or not, I will always either CC the wife, which is what, how I email you guys sometimes, or I'll CC Pastor Nick, because I just that's just for me, that's appropriate. Why am I corresponding with anybody <laughs> without CCing a witness? <laughs> I'm, a firm, I'm a firm believer in the witness program, okay? The witness protection program, okay? Amen. <laughs> That thing I'm will protect like, your marriage. Yes, it sure I'm will. Protecting my marriage. It sure will. Above reproach. No, people. for sure. And some people, it might be comical to some people, but listen, let me tell you something though. That stuff is for real because when there is secrets and when we're not all on the same page here, there's something going on here and I don't know about. Then that's where questions start to to roll around in your mind. You start to, well, if he didn't tell me this, then what else isn't he telling me? And when there's that complete transparency, I mean, for our relationship, we're, um, we, maybe we go over the top, but we have access to each other's passwords. I can log into his stuff whenever somebody, <laughs> someone obviously agrees with that. <laughs> um, he can log into my email, he can log into anything that's mine. Why? Because I want him to know there's nothing here that you can't see. Like, what am I trying to hide from you? If you're my partner, we're walking through this life together and marriage is about transparency um, and being completely free. Like, why would you even wanna have secrets? I just, I'm, it's exhausting trying to keep things quiet, trying to hide things. Like, it's so much easier to have things all out in the open. This is me, all of me. The good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, it's all here. Take it or leave it. And I want him to know that he can trust me. So when, and it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. When someone says something about you or brings something up that's contrary to your character, he can say without a shadow of a doubt, that's not my wife. Why? Because he's been given access to everything. He knows everything. So when anyone has anything to say, he has grounds to stand and say, no, that's not my wife. You're not talking about my wife. You're talking about somebody else. And I think it creates a safety for the marriage. Um, and whatever boundaries you set, that's between you and your, your spouse but it's important that you do set them. I think it's cool that you, you, you have a, a witness, witness protection program. We're all gonna leave here with that. Um, this is my witness protection program for my marriage. 
and we're gonna lay it out. We both signed the document. We're all on the same page. There is no wayward nothing. We're, we just, it's just how you do things. Because you want a safe environment for a healthy relationship to develop. And secrets never do that. What, what's done in secret will come to light. That's not just Bible, that's, that's life. You can only hide things for so long before it does come to light. So why not just bring it all to light Take it or leave it. And if they don't take it, that means Jesus has just got something better for you. Amen? All right. Um, I don't know how much time I have left. I can't. Where am I? I'm good? Nobody knows what time it is? Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to wrap it up. Um, I'll ask one more question and then have a seat. Sorry, we're not done yet. Um, I'm going to ask one more question um, to the ladies and then I'm going to close it out. Um, how do you navigate the discovery of jealousy in a long-term friend, long-time friend? Um, whether the question wasn't specific as to whether it was jealousy directed at that person, like in that relationship, or if it's just an issue with jealousy, period. Um, how do you navigate the discovery of that in a relationship? And jealousy is a real thing. Like I it's people we talk about it lightly but it's a real thing like i just had a conversation the other day um with someone who's really struggling with this in a relationship um but how do you navigate through that and it can be in marriage it can be in just relationships period um i actually had a friend who came to me about an another friend and she you know confided in me wanted me to pray with her but she was you know physically shaking and she just said, I don't know what happened, but I just hate her now. Um, I just have this, uh, this, this, it was strong, whatever it was, and she was describing it to me and I'm like, this sounds like, like you're jealous of our friend now because she had received something that she also wanted and, um, and just, they had a very competitive friendship anyway. And so um, I saw on the outside looking into how it was. And my only advice at the time was maybe you got, maybe you should like take a break from this like intense friendship because they were like really, really close to me and, and they were roommates. So it was really awkward when you're rooming with somebody and you become extremely jealous of them. Uh, and I said, why don't you take some time and try to pull out of this friendship a, a little bit and to get along with God and to let him whatever, um, first, I think the first step is to heal whatever it is you lost or whatever it, the thing is that you're jealous of, you need to let God heal that first. I said, and then, because God's a reconciler. He always wants to reconcile. That's what he sent Jesus for, to reconcile. So he always wants to, to reconcile any kind of a, a heart issue from, from us to him, back to him, and then from us to our friends. You know, we need people and we need Jesus. So he's going to constantly try to uh, reconcile us to him and then reconcile us to our friends. And I gave her that advice and that was, uh, it started to help. There's been um, obviously tough moments and she's been you know, continually praying about it, but that, that's something that I thought was, um, I had never seen to that level, I had never seen that. And I was like, Lord Jesus, what is like? Ooh. Thin love, thin line between love and hate. Like serious, like where that happens. Do you have, do you have something you wanna say to that? I do, um, I was thinking about that and it's like if, if I discovered that my friend is jealous of me, Mm -hmm. um, I think that, um, kind of like you mentioned earlier, like um, things come out. You don't want to keep things like that hidden. And if it's a longtime friend, there should be a type of trust to just be open and be like, "Hey, I'm feeling, I'm feeling this," and to talk, talk it through. You know. So um, if there's, if it's a longtime friend, I think that that trust should be there. And if that trust isn't there, then you should probably think that through first. Like, why have I disengaged? Have I you know, um, is there something that I did or have they set a boundary with me and, you know, address that first. Um, and um, so, yeah, and then when it comes to relationships, like the jealousy thing, um, I, I, that's something that I've struggled with a lot too. And um, what I do is I just, I fake it until I make it type of thing. And I don't mean like fake not being jealous, but like <laughs> if there's somebody that I'm like, I really want what they have and blah, 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 then, you know, you have to celebrate what they have. Mm -hmm. You know, Do the celebrate opposite. what they have. Yeah. Celebrate what you have, celebrate what they have. And even if you don't feel it right then and there, 
when I'm just like, oh, I'm so happy for you that you found a new job and that it pays, you know, and blah, blah, you know, like, <laughs> like people come and go in my office, you know, and they always find something better, so I'm like, I'm so She's happy for real. you, you know, but I celebrate it, I celebrate it, and um, I don't, I don't soak in those emotions, I don't, I'm like, okay, because that's happened to me where I'm like, oh, what's this feeling, like, yeah. you know, what is this, and I'm like, oh, I'm jealous okay you know yeah. and then I start working through it myself but if I was to find out that a friend of mine was jealous um, I think I would hope that they would talk to me about it and that we could pray about it together yeah. you know because let's just squash it and kill that right yeah. there and then you know I so. like what you said don't soak in those emotions yeah. <laughs> don't sit there and like like it's jello like swim in it but um, I wanted to close with this uh, one of the comments that came in, and it wasn't in the form of a question. It was more of a um, statement um, with a request to talk about forgiveness. And this is, forgiveness is huge in relationships, period. Like, forgiveness, you can't be in any relationships without having to either forgive or be forgiven. And um, I want to tell you this story, and then we'll, we'll close out the service. This past week, I, uh, I was at work and one of my coworkers comes into work and he shows me a picture and he shows me a picture of this car that rolled into my car. Like literally, I don't know if the person forgot to put the parking brake on, but it had rolled into the back of my car. And I was like, Jesus, not today. Um, and we didn't know who the owner was. We were trying to we were trying to figure out who the owner was, and then one of my coworkers told me who they thought it was. And I had to call the police, because if I had to leave, didn't know whose, whose car it was. So we called the police, didn't know where security was. Security's normally roaming around. We normally see them sitting, taking a nap in their little golf carts, but of course today, nobody could find security. So I called the police, and then I went over to the place, because I work in a um, retail store, and I walked over to another retail store to see um, if I could talk to this person and just, hey, listen, your car rolled into mine. Can we work this out? And I found him and I went up to approach him. I said, hey, uh, your car rolled into mine. And he looked at me like, um, like I was the crazy one. Like, like I was the one that was at fault. And I said, well, your car rolled into mine and he's like, yeah. I said, well, um, can you please move it? And he said, well, I already moved it and you don't have any damage on your car. And I was like, well, number one, you could have apologized. It's your car, well, whether it was accidental or not. If my car rolled into somebody, I would be like, I am so sorry. If there's any damage, here's my information. Let's like make sure this is all worked out. No apology, no face of remorse, just this very condescending, my car is nicer than yours, and it was nicer than mine, but that's besides the point. You may drive a Fiat and I drive a Honda, but this is still my Honda, and your car rolled into mine. So I left the store and I was frustrated, because I was like, who does that? Who doesn't take responsibility for their actions and do the right thing? And as I was preparing for this weekend, the Lord was like, well, you know what? Sometimes you're not going to get an apology. Think about your life. Think about the relationships in your life. Think about the hurt that has been done to you, whether it was intentional, intentional or unintentional. And the car is one thing. One thing I learned. Here's the thing I took away from there. One, um, I'm not going to park my car there again. As much as I want to leave a note on his car and saying, don't forget to put your parking brake on today. Um, <laughs> he would so know it was from me because I'm the only person in that store with like an afro. So he'd be like, it's the girl from the container store with the afro. Um, but um, I'm not going to park my car there again. Why? Because my car is a value to me. And I don't even the potential of it getting hurt again, getting touched again by his car, I don't even want it there. So why, people? You are more valuable than a car. 
So why do we pull ourselves into the same parking spot in relationships and expect that something different is going to happen tomorrow? There is always, when you've been hurt in one place and you don't learn that, okay, I have to share this parking garage, but I don't have to park right here. I'm going to park over there. Why? Because it's out of danger. It's away from this man's car, and I value my car. I value myself too much to put myself in a position to be hurt over and over and over again. How often, look at the relationships in your life. How often do you pull up in that same parking spot? and expect something different the next time? How often do you position yourself to get hurt? And how often do we expect to get an apology? Because I could go into that parking lot every day, and I probably will for the next week, and be like, shady man. I deserve an apology, and maybe I do. But even if I don't get my apology from him, I'm going to keep my car safe. Even if I don't get my apology for the hurt that's been done to me, I am going to grow, use wisdom, and position myself better to be able to receive better treatment in relationships. God made you and created you special and unique and and there's no one else in this world like you. So put value on yourself. Value yourself enough to say enough is enough. I won't be held captive by someone's lack of apology because it's never coming. He is never going to apologize. And if he does, I will come up here and tell you the man apologized. But I'm not, I can't expect it. I'm not going to be, be held in prison in that parking garage waiting for him to come down and apologize to me. You do not have to imprison yourself expecting an apology because not everybody is going to apologize. They may have been wrong. They probably were wrong. But if you want to grow, if I want to grow beyond my Honda, be able to sell it one day and get another car, I'm not going to allow it to get hurt again. You do not have to get hurt over and over and over and over and over and over again. And you don't have to be held bound by the person who refuses to apologize to you. Because they probably never will. Let it go. Why? Because God has more for you on the other side. God has, he cares more about you and where you're positioning yourself than about than about the person who's never going to apologize. Why? God remains the same, period. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. So he loves you then, he loves you now, he'll love you tomorrow. So move in wisdom. Reposition yourself where he has you. Reposition yourself and experience the new relationships, the freedom of being able to sit in that spot and know that I'm not going to get bounced around every five minutes. Freedom is in the new position. Freedom is in letting it go. And not putting that expectation on man, but trusting in God that your future is bright. Amen? Let's stand together as we get ready to close out. Ladies, thank you for today. Thank you. Gabby and Michelle are going to remain up here. They're actually going to stand here at the altar, and we're going to open it up for a second. Um, forgiveness is a choice. And like I told you, it might take me a minute to, to get over the fact that this, this man is just a condescending, mean person. But I'll get over it. I choose, and it might be small. Being victimized is never a small thing. But in Christ, we're not victims, we're victors. And it's important that you identify as a victor and not as a victim because of what Jesus did. Just like we were talking about in our leaders meeting, Jesus is alive. 
He is alive, so you are free. He is alive, so you're not bound to your past. He's alive. So you could live and not be held bound as a victim. You are no longer a victim. I know what that feels like to feel like you're chained to someone or a situation that won't let you go, where every decision you make, every choice you make is tied to that. Your filter is dirty because of what you've experienced. And I'm here to tell you that only God can clean that filter. And what Jesus did on the cross that will clean your filter forever. You don't have to keep going back for an oil change. Once he cleans it, it's, it's gone. Don't remain the victim. Let what he did on the cross speak for itself in your life. And let the power of the cross break the chain Break the chain of what's tying you to whatever happened back then. Because who you were back then is not who you are today. Thank you for listening to the Sanctuary LA podcast. Tune in again next week and stay awesome and be blessed.